Welcome to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I'm your life coach, Jessica Dumas. I'm a professional speaker and coach who empowers women everywhere to use their voice to take up space and change the world. My goal is to help you speak with clarity and confidence while giving you practical guidance and tools by sharing real life experiences of overcoming. So turn up the volume and grab a pen. You're going to want to write this down. Jessica Dumas Coaching and Training and the Confidence and Communication Podcast is overflowing with appreciation to our first podcast sponsor, The Johnston Group, Inc. The Johnston Group provides employee benefits to more than 30,000 businesses across Canada. Thank you so much for supporting my vision and investing in the podcast. Please accept my extreme gratitude, which will help get the message of self-love, healing, and growth out to a greater audience. Hi, my friends, and welcome to the podcast. I'm honored today to share with you a conversation with my guest and my friend, Brenda LaRose. Brenda is a certified leadership coach and an executive member of the International Coach Federation and has 25 years of experience in executive search. Brenda provides executive leadership, one-on-one coaching, focusing on leadership development, career transition from one leadership role to another and support through cultural and organizational change. She's an executive member of many influential boards. She's been recognized for many awards, including the 2019 CCAB Aboriginal Business Lifetime Achievement Award. Congratulations on that. Thank you. The rest of the bio is going to be in the show notes. I want to say good morning, Brenda, and thanks so much for sharing your story with me here today. Oh, my pleasure. Good morning, Jessica. Just really glad to be, you know, with you today and on your show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm I'm so grateful. So I can't remember exactly where we've met. And sometimes that's just the way that it goes. I'm really honored to continue to be connected with you. Recently, we were able to connect one on one and, and are going to do that for a little bit. And, and I'm so thankful for that. So let's jump into your work. Where do you want to start? How would you describe your work? Well, you know, a little bit is I can share that I founded an executive search company that focused on diversity. And in that diversity realm, it was Indigenous professionals, women, and other racialized groups, and LGBTQ2S plus as well. And I did that for 25 years almost and sold the company and then transitioned naturally into leadership coaching, which to me was a very natural thing to do because of all the experience I had working with, you know, boards of directors on executive director searches, CEO searches. So it was just a natural progression. And I didn't really know if I was going to like it or not, uh, but I've embraced it. I enjoy it. And I continue to take ongoing training and certifications in that area as well. Amazing. So developing an executive search company and then selling it. So, I mean, if you committed 20 to 25 years building that company, that would you say that was your baby? Would you ever describe it that way? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there were a number of other um, organizations or companies or branch offices that I or initiatives, program initiatives that I helped establish over my lifetime. But it was always for other people. Like, for instance, when I'm a, I'm originally from Manitoba and I'm, you know, I'm Red River Métis from Manitoba, but um, left when I was five, raised in Regina in, in, in the inner city. And um, I came back to Winnipeg when I had two children. 
and returned to Winnipeg, have a lot of friends and family there. And I actually worked for the Center for Aboriginal Human Resources Development. And one of the things I did there was develop a program called with Jim Bear at the time, uh, called Partners for Careers, which was a new initiative that the province and the federal government had given us money to actually help get Indigenous post-secondary graduates into meaningful jobs. Emphasis is on meaningful because, you know, there were jobs, but, you know, you go to Red River College and you get, you know, a degree or a diploma from Red River after three years. And the only organization that wants to hire you is Maple Leaf Foods as a meat cutter. And it just didn't make sense for what they went to school with. So we, with Jim Bear and with the center, we started Partners for Careers and it turned out to be really good. It's actually still running today. They've morphed it into a little bit more, but still running today. But that's an example of one of the things. And I probably did that several times in my lifetime, starting branches, starting for other companies, but ended up starting my own executive search firm. Amazing. That sounds so exciting. And it sounds like a really big job for a young person to jump into leadership search and like, where did that come from for you? And how did you know that that was your role? I had always, I had started working for agencies and staffing agencies and, and placing people from the entry level to mid range in positions. So management positions, but for other organizations. And I decided I wanted to go to the next level. I did some soul searching. I was actually in my 40s, early 40s at the time. And again, working at the Center for Aboriginal Human Resources. But I decided I, I want to go into the next level of placement, which is executive search. I actually went to work with a company in Manitoba, which was one of the largest ones. And I was there for about two years. And about a year into the role, I really felt that I had to convince them that there was a need for Indigenous professionals, that we need to place Indigenous professionals. They didn't see that as a market. They didn't think that it was important. And when you're doing consulting work, you have to be billable 80% of the time. 20% of the time could be you know, participating in office meetings, getting up to date and research on file, but they want you to be billable 80% of the time, similar to a lawyer or an accountant, you know, were, were at that time as well. And so anyway, they said, go ahead and develop this market, but we're, it's not in your 20%. We're, you know, we're paying you, you have to kind of do it on your own time, which was a disincentive, but I felt so passionate about it that I thought, you know what, I'm going to try. And the Aboriginal Healing Foundation was just starting up at the time in Ottawa, and they just started. And uh, I worked with actually a, a former national chief who was there at the time, and he was chair of the board, George Erasmus. Um, and we helped put people on the board as well as help their senior leadership team. They had one person already in. The executive director was Mike DeGagne. And this was a national organization. The Healing Foundation had this huge mandate. And they hired the company that I worked with to help them with that. So anyway, we did well with that. We made really good money. We got a number of other searches. And the organization, the company was making really good money from our community. But yet, they weren't really interested in doing any kind of cultural awareness training about Indigenous people. And at the end of the day, their values and my values didn't align. So I actually left. Uh, something happened that, you know, that was totally just didn't 
fit my values. And so I gave my notice. And at the time I was actually going through a divorce and I had two teenage sons and really needed the income. But I thought, you know what, my values were really compromised. And I just thought, well, you know, I'll start my own business. I have, you know, people, uh, a good reputation in the business. We'll see if it works. And if it doesn't, I can go and get another job. I, if I even have to clean, be a housekeeper or whatever I had to do, it just didn't matter. I mean, so I started it and I was really fortunate that it took off and it took off quite quickly. And then the thing that I realized, and I'm talking away too much here, Jessica, but yes. I just want to share that the thing that I realized that it wasn't my plan at the time. But I really, it took me a few months to realize this was creator's plan. I really believe that with all my heart, that creator was watching out for me, looking for me, and I was meant to actually go out on my own. And I would never have started my own business. I would have continued to start other businesses or open offices for other companies, but I just never would have started my own company. And that all happened so that I could do this. So it was great. Wow. This is the place for talking. So no, no apologies for sharing that was so meaningful and exciting to follow. And I think about the moment when you said, I was so passionate about it. It wasn't going to be covered in my 20%, but I was going to do it anyway. And I feel like that's sort of the calling that you feel when, when you know that there's something bigger than what you can imagine. And, and you just sort of have to follow it. But that is also scary. What was your what was your education at the time? What was your you were already working with a firm that had a, a really good reputation. So you're mm-hmm. learning there as well. But like, how did you know that that you could trust in that passion? Well, because I left home like many other people, and I know you left home very early. And I left home when I was just before I was 16 you know, I was still 15. And I left home. And in those days, because I'm in my mid 60s, there was no food banks. And there was no a lot of social assistance, it was very difficult to get. So what I did was I rented a basement suite, it was actually $80 a month, you know, which I thought was expensive, but it was close to my high school. And I went to high school lived in the basement suite and worked at the A&W cooking hamburgers and being a cook four or five nights a week and on weekends and then supplemented in the summertime with working other jobs. So I left home early. So what that teaches you, there's always through every adversity, there's always a seed of greater value. If you look for the gift, I became very resourceful and very innovative And I know if you would have left home early, which you did, you would have been too. You learned to, what do I have to do? You just do what you need to do. So yeah, it was a little scary. And it was scary more so because of being a single parent. My kids still relied on me at the time, but I just jumped and thought, well, if I work as hard for myself as I do for others, it'll all work out. And it did. Wow. That's amazing. And I love that you were so open to that that inspiration and that that voice that was coming from creator to guide you like that, that alone is so passionate. Like I, I just I felt your whole story in my heart as you were sharing it. Aww. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I sort of held on to because I left home young, like you said, mm-hmm. I was 15 years old and also raised my sons as a single parent. And I remember 
there were times where I was scared to try something new or scared to put myself out there in a new way. And I would look at like, what, what do I have to lose? And in my mind, what I thought was, I have nothing. I don't, I don't have, I don't have anyone betting on me. I don't have any, well, besides my kids, you know, needing food Mm -hmm. and shelter. Yeah. But, but when it came to like, what is my risk? Mm -hmm. And I had nothing to lose. That's the way that I looked at it. And that was sort of one of the things that kept pushing me forward. I have so much to gain, but nothing to lose. Right. Because if I fail, like you said, I'll just go get a job. Mm -hmm. I won't like it. (laughs) I won't like it. You'll do it, but you'll just do it. That's what I got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You've been there. You understand. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love these stories for... For people who are, you know, maybe in workplaces that they're, they're not happy and they know they're Mm -hmm. meant for more and they know they're meant for more because they feel something. They feel they're not using their best skills. They, they know they have more potential and, you know, probably a lot of what you were feeling at the time too, you had this idea and you were just like, I'm just going to make it work. Yeah, mine was more or less the values piece got compromised at this other company. But there's times when, when I was searching, you know, and knew that I wanted to go into executive search, and I was starting to think about that. I, it's, it's almost like your conscience is sitting on your shoulder. We come here with a purpose. I think that everybody has gifts to use, and you come with a purpose. And a lot of that is to give back as well. That's where you get a lot of happiness and fulfillment. And when you're not doing what you should be doing and using the gifts that creator gave you, you're feeling like something's missing. Mm -hmm. It's like you're conscious on your shoulders saying, this isn't it. You're not feeling fulfilled. You're not feeling successful or happy. You're just doing the eight to five to survive. And there's so many ways to make a living. Literally thousands of careers, thousands of different kinds of jobs you can have. You should be doing something that you love to do or that you're engaged or that you're learning or you really get excited about it. Life is just too short. We're here for a short time. It goes very quickly. It does. Except for when you're unhappy, it feels like a long day. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I like that you just said working eight to five to survive. Yeah. That's just like, oh, I don't want to do that. One of my first jobs was at the hydro company. And I remember meeting someone who was sitting behind a desk and she was saying that she was there for 20 years (laughs) As, as I was going through And this was in the call center. And I was thinking, wow, (laughs) I never (laughs) want that to be me. I think I was in the call center for about six months and I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes, especially with younger people, the best way to find out, start finding out what you want to do is finding out what you don't want to do. You Mm. try something and you go, no, this is not it. Or I don't like this, but there's always a gift. Again, you take away a skill, something, people that you meet, there's always something you can gain from that experience, but also knowing, no, this is not what I want to do. And then you're more motivated to find out what it is that gets you excited to jump out of bed in the morning. Right. So I want to talk about that, but I also want to jump back a little bit to talk about when you were stepping out and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to do this business because the other opportunities are not aligning with, with what's really important to me, what I'm really feeling passionate about. 
what was it like with like having those conversations was your conversations outside of that organization were they supportive to you did you have a lot of blocks that like were there things that came up that that said well Brenda like people are not going to do that like was there more of that that you had to really kind of beat down well, one of the things was there was a uh, a non-compete because I was in executive search. And so right. I couldn't approach any of the clients that I had even brought into the company or had worked with for the last couple of years. So that was limiting. So again, going out and attracting new contacts or new business or just people that formerly that I knew, just make sure I'm getting the right question here. So jog my memory again with what you're you're wanting there. I guess I'm just looking for like, what were some of the other barriers that you had to overcome? Because often when you start, when you're out to start something on your own, we sort of have this hope that there's going to be so much support, but when you get out there, there's not really, and you sort of have to look for it. So what were, what were some of the areas that you had to like look behind to find the support? Okay. Well, there was a couple of things challenging. Because as you're bringing in business, when do you hire other people? Mm. Because you don't have the income coming in, but yet you have a huge workload. Getting to a point where you, you know, you even hire someone as an assistant to help with the administrative tasks, you know, somebody to do the accounting and the bookkeeping. Because in the beginning, I was doing everything. It was just me. And then, you know, I started hiring, I think it was about three or four months. I actually had a few people actually doing the work with me by then, like doing the placement and consulting, but at the same time training them because they didn't have that experience. And that takes time out of your day too. What I did do when I did decide to go into executive search, I did make appointments with people who were in that sector and in that industry. And I approached them and just said, hi, my name is so-and-so, leave them a voicemail or an email. And, you know, I'm thinking about a career in this area. Would you, in what you do, would you have five minutes of your time, five to 10 minutes, just to talk to me about it, of what you know, and any advice you can give me? I didn't have one person say no. And so I think I had about 20 calls with people and that took a couple of months, but I actually did research and found out who were successful in the business and the women were really good at helping. And then I'd always ask them, who else do you know that I should talk to? that I could get some good advice from. Things like, what do you do all day? What do you need to learn when you started? What do you read? What helps should be better? Is there any books? What advice would you give to somebody starting today in this industry and sector? What what advice would you give? What would you change? What would you do differently? And those are really the questions. And I learned a lot. There were a lot of similarities, right? Some people gave what I thought was pretty good advice. Other people gave mm, not so good. And I just went, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to take that advice, right? Right. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I love that you did that. And I love that even though there was the non-compete, you still didn't let that stop you. No, 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 no. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. So we were talking about young people learning their, their skills. We all have natural skills and gifts and it's easier or it's helpful to learn what you're not good at or what you don't look, what you don't like. Right. But you are also certified in assessment tools and I love assessment tools. This is where I get to Mm. say, I get to nerd out on, on my clients, helping them learn you know, what their skills are and using them and really 
identifying what they are so that they can amplify them. And sometimes we don't know yeah, that. So exactly. What was your like, how did you get onto assessments? What did that look like for you? And how important is it in what you continue to do? I think it's very important. I mean, when I was running staffing agencies in Ontario, I was actually living in the Niagara Peninsula, Burlington, Hamilton, Oakville, Milton area and running, you know, a big staffing agency, opened the doors from scratch for a company, hired the team, just started everything from scratch. But we did assessments starting back then. So I think it's important. Had I known about myself and my gifts, my strengths, and what are the things that take me a lot of work or drain me doesn't mean I can't do them, but it's very draining for me to do. If I would have known that earlier, it would have really been beneficial in my career and in the choices that I made as well. So I think they're only helpful. I like to use three when I'm working with people. And and I it comes from the, I would say, the Indigenous perspective of being holistic, because there's no one assessment that tells you everything. It just can't. And so, you know, I like to get assess three, and then it gives you the best picture that you possibly can get onto what the gifts and strengths are. And, and just knowing that if you use them, you're going to be fulfilled, you're going to be happy, and you're going to be likely very successful. Most of the assessment tools I use, you have to be certified in them. So you have to get trained, you have to learn, there's a lot to learn. It's a certification process, studying, attending workshops and training. But there is one that I want to leave the listeners with today, and it's called Strength Finder 2.0. And the author is Tom Rath. And Strength Finder 2.0 is from Clifton, like the Clifton Gallup is what he did. A lot of data and research. And in a little book, and I recommend the book instead of the online tool, because it's only got 30 pages in the front to read, but it gives you the premise of what you know, what this tool can measure. You don't have to be certified to do this one and to read it. And then there's a code in the back if it's a used book, you're not going to, the code will be used. So mm -hmm. there's a code in the back. It costs around $50, $55. You can get it from the bookstore or from Amazon. You enter it into the computer and out of those 34 strengths come your top five that you likely use every day and the most. And so if you look at that, it'll really help because these are also your values, your gifts and your strengths. And again, I think it, aligns with our Indigenous ways of knowing and being. And 100, 200 years ago, the grandparents and the elders would sit and watch children. Mm -hmm. And they would observe, what do they do really good at? What are they excited about? What do they have a natural gift and talent for? And then they would try and encourage them in that area. They'd try and help them or get them excited and train them a bit. If it was beating or it could be hunting, they would facilitate that to to learn more skills. And, and so I think it really follows. And I have another First Nations lady that's a colleague that's a little bit older from Six Nations of the Grand. And it's interesting because she's also been a coach for a long time, does international coaching and well-educated and lived and worked in the U.S. for quite a while. And she's always used Strength Finder too. Like we got to know each other about 12, 13 years ago, and she was using the same tool I was using. She, you know, we started talking, do you ever use this? I said, oh yeah, that's one of my assessment tools. But people can do this on their own. So absolutely if you can get the book, don't just do it online. Keep the book as a resource because it's really good. And it's great for team building to do it with your team 
and debrief and and uh, share what each other's it's the strengths, but really it's your values. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I love Strength Finders. That's one I use. I'm not certified in in any of the assessments, but I but I really do love them. I really enjoy them, and I love knowing and also helping others know that you do have those natural skills and gifts because many people can go through possibly their whole life, not really giving themselves that credit or taking time to really know that they have that. And that's so important for meaningful work, which is one of the very first things that you mentioned is helping people find meaningful work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, so many ways to make money and to make a living. You really want to be doing something that you like to do. You know, my son has a saying, he runs a business in Winnipeg and he's, he does well in his business, but he has a saying in business, he's a good guy and he does well, but he, he says he who has the most fun wins. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So it's about enjoying and having fun. Yeah. Life really is. Yeah. One of the things that, that I would say to myself after going through some really rough times is, is it fun? And I started mm-hmm. making decisions based on that question. If I would get asked to do something, I would ask myself, do I think it's going to be fun? <laughs> and it's, that's the best thing that I ever did would start switching that to my question of, am I going to do this or not? That was one of the best mm-hmm. things I ever did. Great. Good. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's so fun. I can't imagine that you feel like there are things that, well, maybe I can't say that. I'm thinking about, like, what are you most excited about that you had an opportunity to do within your career? A couple of things. There's one of the things that we did. We, our firm was hired when the Truth and Reconciliation Commission fell apart the first time. It was running for about a year and it didn't gel. And so the retired Supreme Court Justice, uh, Frank Akabuchi, was hired by the Prime Minister's office. And he hired our firm. And it led to us doing the search for Justice Sinclair and the two commissioners, which were now Regional Chief uh, Wilton Littlechild and, and Marie Wilson. And we did that search and it went very well. And one of the things that we did and was important to me is one of the questions I asked when we were meeting with the different selection committee members were at that time national chief. Mary Simon was representing the Inuit, and we had some of the churches there and whatnot as well represented. And Michael Wernick was uh, there as well, you know, representing the government. One of the things I asked was did they have an elder present? to do opening and closing prayers during the selection process, because that is really important. So when you start things in a good way, you know, for our community anyway, I've always learned that that is, can be extremely beneficial and helpful. And the elder that they called in was now Premier Wab Canoe, his father. Mm-hmm. So he came in and he did the opening and the closing prayers when, when we're starting our major meetings and deliberation and stuff. So I think that really made a difference. Yeah, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think that we were able to work on that. I'm also in a volunteer capacity when, I, you know, I'm now in Ottawa, as you can see from my background, but living in Winnipeg 
And my husband and I lived in St. Andrews on an acreage. And this is probably, I'm thinking 2015, so almost 10 years ago, but it ran for five years. Myself and Marina James and Mary Jane Lestelle at the time, who's now Brownscombe, we actually came up with the idea to do She Day. Uh And She Day was to help women that wanted to advance into leadership or that were in leadership and go the next level or an entrepreneur. And it had to be done that we would have really great speakers, but really at a very, very low cost, not to make any money. It was a not-for-profit so that we could attract women that could afford to come for a whole day. And we ended up getting sponsorship. And the first year we actually... I think it was like seven or 800 women the first year at the convention center. It was like unbelievable. And then the next year we did it again. And I think we had 1200 women and it was sold out in two days, but I had people and we had a lot of racialized and indigenous women and other women there. And I had women come up to me after saying, this was so good. I'm so glad we, you know, this is actually some of the things that people said and the speakers changed my life. This is changing my life. Wow. Yeah. I was one of the speakers in the second year. <laughs> I know. I know. I remember. Yeah, that was an incredible event. And I remember for you every year after where people were like, where is she day? Because I don't remember if you went to three years. We actually did five. But after two years, like I was emceeing for the first couple of years and very, very involved. And I think the last two years, sometimes I've got other things on the go, but I just wanted to get that going. And it did run for five years. And they partnered with the Winnipeg Women's Enterprise Center, who were really good. I mean, it was a lot of work, but it was so beneficial to the women. And, you know, camaraderie and learning and growing and yeah, at a very low cost, not making any money. And we can never have enough of those. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, that's, that's really incredible because so many people will remember that. And like you said, changing lives. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my last question for today, if you could give little Brenda advice early in her journey, what would you say to her? That is actually a difficult one because again, when you go out early, you leave home early. And then times I was a single parent, you have to work really hard because you're looking after yourself and then eventually the children, right? So I have always tended, and I think not unusual for people that have to leave home early or single parent, you work really hard and you're not balanced. You're working long hours And so I would say I would try and keep it a little bit more balanced because there there was a time when you're working 50, 60 hours a week or more, you've got to be able to manage your energy, not just your time. Mm -hmm. So you've got to have some time off, you've got to have some balance. So I really had to learn in the last 10 years not to be a workaholic. And actually, I have a couple of clients that are very much workaholics, they just work too much. Mm. And at the end of the day, when you want to put something on your tombstone, or you're reflecting back on your life, and you're close to the end, you're never going to say, geez, I wished I had worked more. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about relationships. You know, it's all about the relationships that you make with your family, your friends and the people around you. Mm -hmm. And 
that is really, really key. So I that's what I would say. I would say it's all going to work out and you I could work hard, but maybe just not so much at times and then having to change that behavior. But, you know, that's that's hindsight. You know, that's, you know, looking back. Right. Yeah. You can't change any of that. But I did learn. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing and being so open. I really appreciated sharing your your journey and just hearing about some of that wave in it. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Jessica. Thanks again so much for having me and thank you for what you do. I really appreciate everything that you do for, you know, for others. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for being here and listening to the podcast. Miigwech, Ecosse, merci. I want to take every opportunity that I can to tell you that you are worthy. And if something in this message resonated with you, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And send a link to your sister, your best friends, and your cousins, because if there was something in this message that resonated, then they might want to hear about it too. If maybe taking a screenshot is your thing, share it on your Instagram story. And don't forget to take me at jesskadumas.ca.